Is this the year you want to grow your business? Do you want to expand your team? Build a new office? Hey, it's Tug, and I want to tell you about First Liberty Building and Loan. Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you're dealing with a new person? You won't have to with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they can help you too. They know the patterns, they know the ebbs and flows, and they know business. Now the Frost family wants to know you. FirstLibertyGA.com. Buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, or expanding. Reach out and spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. FirstLibertyGA.com. By the way, if you're a young banker and you want to work with a team that's faith-friendly with a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to First Liberty Building and Loan at FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. I was wondering, based off of the themes of your book, for you, when was the most difficult moment in your political career to reconcile the competing interests of loyalty, God, and the Constitution? Clearly, the days leading up to January 6th and January 6th itself was the most difficult day in my public life. You know, I was always loyal to President Donald Trump. He was my president and he was my friend. And we worked together very closely for all those four years of our administration. Whenever we had disagreements, and uh, we did from time to time, I kept them in private. I thought it was important as vice president that I offer my advice and my counsel to the president confidentially, and we did. But I had one higher loyalty, and that was to God and the Constitution. And that's what set in motion the confrontation uh, that uh, would come to pass uh, on January 6th. I had taken an oath to the Constitution of the United States. It, was, it ended with a prayer, so help me God, which inspired the title of my book. And I was determined to keep my oath. As the Bible says, to keep my oath even when it hurts. But to do that with someone with whom I'd worked so closely and forged such a good relationship, someone who I'd created a record with that I'll be proud of for the rest of my life, was difficult. But I'll always believe that we did our duty that day, upholding the Constitution of the United States and the laws of this country and the peaceful transfer of power. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King. And what you just heard was Mike Pence's response to a young woman regarding January 6th. And um, the question she asked was, how do you reconcile loyalty to the president, loyalty to God, and loyalty to the Constitution? Fabulous question. Well, this is, let's talk about it with Janelle King. This is where we discuss kitchen table topics that are typically banned from family gatherings, but they are extremely necessary to have a strong republic. Having these presidential breakdowns, I think it's necessary. You have to vet all the candidates. Today, we're going to do a presidential breakdown of Mike Pence. It was a little difficult to find him talking about issues like the economy and Biden for some reason. There's a lot of conversation around Trump and domestic policy as well as foreign policy. The January 6th, of course, what you just heard. But I'm doing this because I think it's important for all of us to hear what each person is saying. I've already did a presidential breakdown of Nikki Haley, Ambassador Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, Governor DeSantis, President Trump, and Mike Pence is definitely someone who I find to be quite interesting. I really liked him a lot during the Trump 
and Pence presidential run. I don't have a lot of major critiques because I think that Mike Pence is good at being diplomatic. He's good at being the adult in the room. We have to be honest with the fact that that is necessary. You can't always have the bull in the china shop because it's not always Trump. But you got to have someone who is diplomatic, who understands, and someone who prays. And one thing about Vice President Pence is he doesn't give any space for anyone to downplay his relationship with God. And I appreciate that. I think we should be bold in our faith. Because you know who else was bold in their faith? Our forefathers. They talked about God being the center and the focus and the direction of many decisions, oftentimes. And so... I think that's a sign of a good leader, someone that's deeply connected to their faith, not someone who's just, you know, a one hit wonder. You know, I'm going to church once a week and I'm just going to, you know, do my duty. But someone who actually wants to spend time with the Lord and wants to know what's the right thing to do. That's necessary. And in this last debate, I thought it was quite interesting in this last debate with the presidential candidates, the one that Trump set out. I hope he shows up at the next one. He may. But I definitely think that Pence showed who he was on a main scale. That being said, I want you to hear his response on religious freedom. This is the... Mike Pence, that he's most comfortable. This is his baseline. So listen to what he has to say about religious freedom. I understand you see this as religious freedom, but um, in other words, are you saying that you would not refuse services to people on the basis of their sexual orientation? No, look, I I think uh, this is not about the law of public accommodation. And uh, this is both of these cases came from Colorado, where the heavy hand of government came in and said, look, if you have a public accommodation, whether whether you're a cake baker or a web maker, that uh, that you're required to uh, to take all customers. That's what a public accommodation is, Margaret. But what the Supreme Court said here, and as they did in the Jack Smith case by a seven to two majority, mm-hmm. is that you can't compel the American people to create products that are that violate their conscience or their religious beliefs. I think, as I said, I think it, it was a victory for faith. It was a victory for religious freedom. Uh, and and I, I couldn't be more grateful to see the three justices that our administration appointed to the court join the majority and, and affirming a real commitment to our first freedom. Uh, but to the public, for those who do uh, hear some concern here, um, as president, how do you assure them that you will provide equal treatment to all. Well, I, look, I, I, I believe in the freedom of religion and the freedom of conscience of every every American. It's, uh, you know, I'm a constitutional conservative, Margaret, and I, I believe in upholding the language of the Constitution. I believe the Supreme Court did, did this in uh, Lori Smith's case. And, and I also believe the Supreme Court did this in Jack Smith's case. Remember, Jack Smith, the cake baker that, uh, that also was subject to uh, the heavy hand of the Colorado government, uh, he, he said that he'd make a cake for any couple. Uh, mm-hmm. of, of any background and, and any, any preference, but he said he just couldn't he couldn't uh, create a cake that celebrated something that violated his faith. The Supreme Court said right. in Jack Smith's case that they respected his freedom of religion, and they said it in Laurie Smith's case, and uh, 
And I believe that that's that's the, that's how America works. You know, we're going to celebrate our freedom over this long weekend, uh, and uh, it's about respecting the the freedom of every American, uh, whether uh, they hold the same religious beliefs as I do or not. Uh, but in this case, I think the Supreme Court drew a clear line and said yes to religious liberty. Okay, so. What you just heard was his response to the whole um, Supreme Court ruling that basically said that you cannot force a company, a private business, to make a cake or a website or whatever product you want for somebody or individual or person or people who you don't support or, or, or support their lifestyle. In this case, it was LGBTQ and it was this whole concept of trying to force private businesses to, you know, say, Hey, I know you don't agree with what, um, uh, with my lifestyle, but you need to still allow me to purchase your product or whatever. And the problem with that, it wasn't whether or not they agree with the lifestyle. It was the idea of forcing people like President, uh, Vice President Pence said, forcing people to have to choose between their convictions and what they feel is right and what you think they should be doing. That is communism. So, no, that's a problem. But that's a good baseline as to who he is as a whole and I think it shows that we are definitely dealing with an individual who has a deep steep moral compass and I don't know some people may feel like having strong convictions doesn't make you a a, a, the leader that can make decisions for everybody that's debatable I would like to know your perspective on that Um, I believe that having strong convictions means that you have something to filter it through but that's just my take on it. You know, we'll see. We'll see how that all kind of kind of works out. But ultimately, we're in a situation where we have an individual who's running for president, who was a former vice president, who clearly has strong convictions, who everyone loved at one point and or at least didn't didn't dislike. And then he made, as you heard in the opening, he made a decision that was extremely difficult for him. And that showed you where a person that does have strong convictions, where they lie. So after the break, we're going to discuss more. We're going to hear more from Vice President Pence. I'm going to give my little two cents on some of his uh, perspectives and some of his discussions, um, some of his topics that, that, that was brought up. And I'm going to also close with my thoughts on him, him being in this race. But before I do that, I want you to go into this without a defense up. I want us to go into these presidential breakdowns open, okay? Um, And the reason why is because we can't say 
we are the people and we are the ones who are making the final decisions and we are the ones who are focusing in on, you know, making sure that we do what's right. We can't say we're actively vetting if we're not listening to everyone. And, and let, me, let, me, let me make a comment about that. Too many people told me that they did not watch the debate because Trump wasn't there. That is so silly. It is childish to me. It's very, and I say childish because it's very childlike to say, well, if someone's there that I don't like, so I'm not going to watch it. But it's up to you to decide who's best for this country. And God forbid something was to happen to any individual in the race. You got to at least know what's going on with everybody else, right? Anyway. All right, we'll be back. We're going to take a quick break and we will be back to hear more from Vice President Mike Pence. This is Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King. Is this the year you want to grow your business? Do you want to expand your team, build a new office? Hey, it's Tug, and I want to tell you about First Liberty Building and Loan. Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you're dealing with a new person? You won't have to with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they can help you too. They know the patterns, they know the ebbs and flows, and they know business. Now the Frost family wants to know you. FirstLibertyGA.com. Buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise, or expanding. Reach out and spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. FirstLibertyGA.com. By the way, if you're a young banker and you want to work with a team that's faith-friendly with a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to First Liberty Building and Loan at FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and we're going to jump right back into this. And this is Extra 106.3. And we're doing a presidential breakdown of all the candidates. But this particular show, it's dedicated to Vice President Mike Pence. And we're going to go ahead and kick it off with his response to student loan forgiveness. Also ruled that President Biden lacks the legal authority to forgive student debt for 40 million Americans, as he had tried to do. Uh, in response, the president made the political argument that Republican officials couldn't bear the thought of providing relief for working class, middle class Americans. How do you respond to that? Well, first, it's just factually wrong. I mean, frankly, the Supreme Court here upheld the interpretation of the Constitution of the United States that President Joe Biden held and the Speaker Nancy Pelosi held. You remember, Margaret. I mean, mm -hmm. President Biden initially said he didn't have the authority, and he didn't. Nancy Pelosi said it would take an act of Congress uh, to do this student loan forgiveness. But they went ahead and did it anyway. But in defense of the separation of powers, the prerogative of the Congress under the Constitution, the Supreme Court struck a decisive blow. But the other piece of it here, Margaret, is, I mean, come on. Uh, the majority of people that would have benefited from this student loan forgiveness are people with multiple graduate degrees. So you're going to say to working Americans, to truck drivers, to people working in the trades, we're going to take your taxes and 
and pay down a part of the student debt uh, of, of doctors and, and lawyers and, uh, and PhDs. It just, it, uh, uh, nothing could be further than the truth. This was not about the middle class. The Supreme Court of the United States took a strong stand for the Constitution. And again, I, I really, yeah. I, I couldn't be more proud that the three justices that our administration saw confirmed to the Supreme Court of the United States in all three of these cases has been delivering on, on defending the Constitution, has been delivering yes. on uh, a, applying laws as written, and 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 I really think uh, I think it's been a, a great great affirmation of, okay. uh, uh, of the work our administration did to strengthen the rule of law in this country. I love that he points out the fact that Dems do not believe in their own initiative. The reason why I wanted to share the student loan question is because I know that this is going to be a topic in the general because it's something that the Democrats promised and they didn't deliver on. So that's something that Democrats are going to hold them to. But at the same time, the Democrats are going to try to make it seem like, well, it's the Republicans fault and they don't want you to have your student loans forgiven. Although there were a lot of people who did experience student loan forgiveness under some of his executive orders and all the other stuff. But I do like that. He's highlighting that this is absolutely something that even Democrats like Pelosi and even Biden said they cannot do. Jim Clyburn was spotted out and I have to find that clip, but Jim Clyburn is spotted out talking about student loan forgiveness and he made a interesting prediction. He basically said, it's not happening. That's what he said to to the the young man that was asking him about it. And this was at one of his community events or whatever. You got to highlight the hypocrisy on both sides. He mentioned paying down debt of those who hold degrees. So basically what he was saying was like, you know, you're you're asking us to pay off the debt of doctors and lawyers. Okay. Now, that part, I think, was a little bit of a stretch because a lot of people who have student loan debt are not doctors and lawyers. A lot of people are not even using their degree. I personally think that the university push, the push to go to college was such a scam, and I hate that I even got caught up in it because I probably would be doing the exact same thing if I didn't go to college. But, and I, and I would have more money. But I will say there are people that are doing well that have student loan debt and that are not paying and all that stuff too. So I get it. I get where he was trying to go, but I do feel, I feel like that can get him caught up a little bit if he was in a debate because a lot of student loan debt is not held by people who are doctors and lawyers. But, and it doesn't mean that if you are a doctor and a lawyer that you're successful either. You know, in many cases, like I said, the debt is held by people who have less education, did not go to school as much as doctors and lawyers. I do think there is some uh, area where Republicans can kind of take back the conversation on this, and that's through interest rates. I think if they did something about regulating that or uh, putting some regulations in place around the interest rates, it, it, that would definitely help a lot because a lot, a lot of us are paying three times what you what you borrowed due to there being no regulation and um, during the time when it was borrowed and, and, and just these interest rates were just 
crazy and they continue to grow and change even after you borrow the money so you know I, I do think there's a conversation to be had I would like to see some type of conversation around the interest rates I don't understand the idea of federal loans and to the, the tax relationship there are a lot of people who feel like if I have federal loans I shouldn't have to pay taxes or if I not, I shouldn't have to pay taxes but you know that that federal loan I mean I'm, I'm pretty much getting my own money back to me to go to school because it's tax money so I understand that too I would like to kind of deep dive in that a little bit more but I do think this could be a winning topic for Republicans, just like healthcare, if we can figure out a way to really come up with a good compromise um, that's not impacting anyone else or causing anyone else to have to take care of someone else's responsibility. All right, next question. Let's go on to the next issue, the next topic, and that's young voters. You still have to get young voters to turn out and vote for you, sir. Uh, this is very politically popular issue for Democrats. So what is your pledge to young voters? Well, my pledge to young voters is that we're going to get this economy moving again. I mean, when I talk to young people, they understand that we're going through the, you know, the worst inflation in 40 years. The administration's war on energy drove up energy prices to record levels. We've got this crisis at our border that's seen millions of people come into this country. I mean, this country's in a lot of trouble. And the young people I speak to as I travel around the country since we announced our intention to seek the Republican nomination, they're worried. They're worried about this economy. Uh, and unconstitutional mm -hmm. government handouts are not what these young Americans are looking for. They're looking for a growing economy, uh, and they know that by putting into practice the policies that we did in our administration, by extending those Trump-Pence tax cuts, rolling back regulations, ending the war on energy, securing uh, our border, uh, we're going to set, set the table for a boundless American future for them. I feel like this is one of the best answers I've heard when it comes to bringing in young voters. Let me tell you why. Because I've listened to Vivek, I listened to Nikki Haley and her generation's conversation. I've listened to all of that stuff. And if you think attracting voter, younger voters is simply saying things like, we need younger voters, or we need younger people in office, or because I am younger, I'm going to attract younger voters. To me, that's the same mistake that's made when it comes to going after diverse communities. It shows that you don't understand what the priorities are, what the concerns are, what the thoughts are of that community. So by him, by, by hearing VP Pence say that he would like to focus on the economy, that is key. Because a lot of our younger people are also starting young families. Um, they're, you know, we, we are all in this weird space where we're, we're growing our careers, we're establishing ourselves, um, or we're starting to do this process, starting this process. Like I said, you have young families, you have children that's going to school, it's either starting school or preparing. And, and so, so, so making sure that there's an economy that's strong enough for parents to be able to work, for students to be able to have opportunities after they graduate. Things like that is key. So I think that was really good. I like that he didn't go towards the social issues as well because that also is a turnoff to me when it comes to younger people is to always kind of talk about the social issues because it's not like all young people are not talking about that. Young Gen Z Zers maybe, but as a millennial myself, I'm actually a zennial because I'm like smashed right in the middle of the Gen Xers and the millennials because I will be 40 next year. So 
being young and in that little space there, I absolutely understand why um, they're trying to talk about social issues for the Gen Zers, but you leave out a, a, a huge group of us that's really focusing on making sure that we can grow our careers and be successful and provide for our families and have opportunities for our children and not indoctrinate our kids. That's the type of stuff that he should be talking about and I think is great. So kudos to him on that. Let's go to Ukraine. I want to ask you about um, some issues of foreign policy because you did just make this trip to Ukraine. You were the only Republican presidential candidate to have done so, and you met with President Zelensky. Um, he is being very clear that when NATO leaders meet this month, he expects clear steps and an invitation to join the Western military alliance. If you were president, would you make that pledge to a country that's currently at war with Russia? Well, I think you put your finger on on the issue there. But first, let me say, um, uh, you know, I, I went to Ukraine because America is the leader of the free world. Uh, we're the arsenal of democracy. Uh, and, and frankly, I think President Joe Biden has truly failed to explain to the American people what our national interest is there. I, um, I, I'm, I'm someone that believes that it's absolutely essential that the United States continue to provide military support to the Ukrainian uh, military to push back on Russian mm -hmm. aggression. Because if Russia were able to overrun Ukraine, I think it would not, it would not be long before Vladimir Putin ordered his troops across the border that under NATO we would be required to send men and women in uniform. So I think we have a profound national interest here. Also, you know, in, in less than two years, with American and allied support for the Ukrainian military and their extraordinary courage, I mean, Margaret, Russia's gone from being the second most powerful military in the world to being the second most powerful military in Ukraine. Yeah. You know, that, that's real progress. It's measurable. It's in our national interest. What, it, it is not in our interest to send American forces into Ukraine, and I would never support it. And as I met with President Zelensky, he made it clear that he's not looking for that. And I, I have reason to believe, Margaret, that uh, when, when NATO meets in a few weeks in Vilnius, uh, that, uh, that President Zelensky would be open to a conditional invitation to membership in, in NATO, namely saying that Ukraine will be a member of NATO once the war is over, once the war is won. I mean, I, I really do believe right. it's essential that, that America continue to lead, that our allies provide Ukraine with the support they need. I got a report that uh, after a very wet spring, now the Ukrainian military is making steady advances over the last several weeks. But frankly, Joe Biden continues to be, and this administration continues to be slow. They promised 33 Abrams tanks back in January. Now they're telling them it'll be mm -hmm. September at the earliest. We're still dragging our feet on giving them F-16s, and they were actually told that it'd be January before they, the U.S. would approve those aircrafts being released. And if you president were president, Biden says we're, we're there as long as it takes. It shouldn't take that long, Margaret. And and Joe Biden has been slow walking aid uh, to the Ukrainian military. You give them what they need, and those courageous soldiers I met, those yeah. brave and faithful families I stood with beside their homes, uh, they'll fight and they'll win against Russian aggression. So there are a lot of people who said that going to visit Ukraine is a is a is a problem. Again, I think that is silly. I like that he met with with President Zelensky because 
now I know that we're not talking to people who are just wanting us to take their word for it. That's like, just hear me out. This is what I this is what I think he said. This is what I think is happening. No, he went, had a conversation. How would you know if you don't go? How would you know what's really happening? And we have a lot of presidential candidates who's like, who are saying things like, um, I will never want to support them. Now, here's the thing. It's one thing to be handing over cash. It's another thing to be handing over uh, war fighting uh, materials and, and, and weaponry. I mean, that's different. We got to understand foreign policy. And this is a push to disengage from, I'm sorry, not a push to disengage. I will say we have to understand foreign policy because when you, when you, when you, when it's all intertwined the way it is, then you can't just make blanket statements. You have to understand what's happening. And I think that's why Nikki Haley did such a good job on the debate stage because she understands that and she was able to highlight the holes in Vivek because he doesn't understand that. It's easy to say what you're not going to do. It's another thing when they are standing in between um, America and Russia going to war or America and China going to war. That's a whole other conversation. We don't have we don't have body bags coming back to America right now because that's because Ukraine is pushing this stuff back. There is an actual war that's happening. Whether you agree with our involvement, there still is a war happening. And when it comes to joining NATO, basically what he said was win your war (laughs) and then we'll consider. But but not not while you're at war, because if you join now, that's going to be a problem. Right. That's going to be a major problem because we would then have to go to war, too. NATO will have to go to war. And the note that he made, that the comment he made about the second, Russia being the second most powerful in the world, uh, uh, army in the world, to now being the second most powerful in Ukraine, we have to see that that's how these type of situations do help on the main stage. I mean, it really does help push back all of this. Because like I said before, we don't have body bags coming home. And that has a lot to do with what's happening overseas. And I'm not showing this video, but there was also a question or or this audio playing this audio. But there was also a question around China and he kind of linked China and Ukraine together, which I thought was was interesting because once again, he pointed out that China is seeing what we're doing and how we're supporting Ukraine, which leads to their preparation or how they're going to see things when it comes to um, Taiwan and whether they should invade Taiwan. So, you know, I, I, I understand that. And it's kind of, it's, it's like playing chess, right? It's like, okay, we don't want to make this move here, but in making this move here, we're also making three more moves. And so I, I, I think it's smart to go. I think every one of the candidates need to go to Ukraine, sit down with Zelensky and ask the tough questions. Find out if what you think is happening is really happening and if it isn't. This is your chance. This is your opportunity to do it. Go do it. All right, last one. Moving past Trump. Your talk of civility leads us perfectly into the first question we have uh, from Jesse LaGrosa uh, in the audience. He's an accountant from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. He's a Republican who voted for the Trump-Pence ticket. Jesse? Vice President, thank you for being here. Hi, Jesse. Thanks. Whether you love him or hate him, former President Trump, now candidate Trump, 
is a polarizing figure who brought controversial issues to the forefront of American politics. How does the country move past the polarization and find common ground solutions to these important issues facing this nation? Well, Jesse, thanks. Thanks for the question. But let me just say it was the greatest honor of my life to serve as vice president with President Donald Trump. I don't think any candidate other than Donald Trump could have defeated Hillary Clinton in 2016. Republican primary voters uh, saw that, that formidable candidacy of Hillary Clinton, and I think they knew we needed a fighter, someone that could step forward and help turn the country back to the policies that would make us strong and prosperous and secure. And he was the right man at the right time, and it was my honor to serve alongside him. Uh, but I truly do believe, as I just shared with Jake, that I, I think we're moving into a different season in America. Uh, our nation's been through a lot, uh, the COVID pandemic, the riots of the summer of 2020, of course, the tragic day in January of 2021. And, and what I hear people saying more than anything else uh, is that, that they, they want to see leadership that will look at uniting the American people around our highest ideals. Uh, I, I truly do believe that. And I, and, I, and I think it all begins with the golden rule. You know, as I write in my book, the most important decision I ever made was to put my faith in Jesus Christ when I was a freshman in college. The second most important decision I ever made was to ask Karen Pence to become my wife 37 years ago. But for us and for our family, we've, we've always tried to live by the golden rule to uh, treat others the way that we want to be treated. It wasn't always true in my political career. When I first started out in politics, as I write uh, in my book, I let my ambition get ahead of me. I, I, uh, I got involved in one of those negative personal attack uh, campaigns. But when it was all over, I reflected on what my Christian faith required of me. And from the time 10 years later that we had the opportunity to run for Congress again, we always sought uh, to run in such a way that first demonstrated uh, the decency and our commitment to treat people properly and respectfully about issues more important than us. And then it was about winning. And through my years in Congress, through my years as governor of Indiana, as your vice president, I've tried to emulate that. And I think uh, uh, whether it's me and my family or, or some other standard bearer for our party, I, I believe we're, we're going into a season where the American people are looking for that kind of leadership that, that vigorously debates our issues, stands strongly for them, as I always have, but does so with gentleness and respect. Trump was the only candidate that could defeat Hillary Clinton. He was. It's just, it's just a fact. Um, you don't have to agree, but it's a fact. Trump was what we needed in 2016. He absolutely was necessary. The Trump-Pence administration was phenomenal, particularly when it comes to policy. We can do without some of the other stuff, but definitely when it comes to policy, no one can deny that they were making money, they had more, more money in their pockets. It was just a better time. So... I like that he acknowledged that it's important to point that out. But then he made a point to note that the American people are looking for something different. And it's true. We don't have to agree again. I, I'm totally fine with that. Disagreement is democracy. But the American people are exhausted. And you just can't keep running at sprint speed for during a marathon. This is a marathon. And I believe you'll do more damage to the country if you don't enact leadership that will unite. 
that is something that I do believe is there. And at one point, I thought that Trump was capable of being a uniting force because he was able to bring people out from both sides of the aisle to support him. But when I look at how he responds to certain things and the videos and the memes and the stuff that he shares and the clips and everything, it does make me a little concerned that we're creating more of a divide. When I have friends who don't even want to have conversations with me about certain topics because they they are like, you have to be MAGA. It's crazy. It's crazy. So I I do think that there are times when he can de-escalate that he hasn't, times when he should have, when he didn't. So I agree that I do believe that, you know, we've got to get someone in there that's going to relieve some of the pressure off of voters. And I like that he acknowledged his own missteps and, you know, in getting connected to personal attacks. And I think that he's, I think we are beyond policy at this point. We're dealing with people who are just mean and it's on both sides. Um, You know, claiming that people are rhinos who have put their lives and careers on the line for this country is silly to me. So just because you don't agree, silly. Um, so yeah, I thought that was a good one. All right, closing remarks coming up. Closing now. After the break. And um, you'll kind of hear what I have to think about this. We'll be back. What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King, and this is Extra 106.3. And you just heard a few clips of Vice President Mike Pence. We opened up. The very first was his response to um, how he reconciles loyalty to the president loyalty to God and loyalty to the Constitution. We closed on his perspective regarding a question about moving past President Trump. Clearly, he's ready to do that. He's running against them. I hope you heard something in this that was different. I have not decided who I'm going to support as of yet, but I'm definitely open to a few. And Mike Pence is one of them. Let me tell you why. One, because he has White House experience. 
dance. He's the only one on the stage outside of the president that has White House experience. Not only does he have White House experience, but he also has the Trump administration experience. He knows the policies. He was there. He was a part of it. He battled it out. He disagreed and agreed, fleshed it out. I'm sure there are things that he would do differently, and I'm actually interested to see what that would be because he has this hindsight perspective. I think he's humble enough to know when to support some of the things that was positive from the previous administration that he was a part of, while also being able to bring his own twist in there. I want to hear more from Karen Pence. I really want to reach out to her. I don't think we hear enough from her, so she's she's interesting to me. But I like that he does have that White House experience. I like that he does have those ideas. I like that he holds strong to his convictions. I feel like that's something that will help it has helped. He's not being indicted. Mm, you know, whether you agree with his decision or not, he's definitely not caught up in that. You know, he feels confident. He stood on his conviction. I like that he is okay with people who are upset with his decision to certify the election results as the Constitution asked and stated. Um, again, I know there are people who debate whether or not he was constitutionally obligated or not, but that is his perspective. That is his argument. And I, uh, he, he's entitled to it. He, he definitely know more, knows more about it than me. I'm pretty sure he's sat down with way more people than I have regarding this issue. And I would willing to bet the same for most of you. I do give him that. It's unfortunate that the party is not just upset, but rejecting him because of one decision that was made over the course of four years. It's, 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 it's giving, I don't know how to show grace to anyone but myself or the president. Because President Trump has made a lot of decisions, like banning bump stocks. Uh, I don't like that. I don't like anything that tried to force us into some type of gun control. But there were several decisions that he made that I didn't necessarily agree with. It didn't make me completely hate him and call him a Judas and turn my back on him. I mean, you know, I may not necessarily agree that he's the best person to lead us into a victory in 2024. But then again, I'm not saying he's not. Personally, I am really, really doing my due diligence on the primary focus because I want to make sure that we are focusing in on that. But at the same time, I think it's extremely important to note that once we're in the general, I'm voting for whatever Republican is there. Like, and I'm going to actively push that candidate because I still believe our ideals are 10 times, if not a million times better than these Democrat policies that are being pushed. I cannot continue to see this country do what it's doing. So if it's President Trump, I would definitely back him. But I, I really want us to do our due diligence. Now, where I think... Vice President Pence has some weaknesses is that I feel like he sounds a little too political from time to time. I I just, I can't get over that. It, it just comes off as unbelievable at times. And I think that's just, I know he's, I know he's not one who talks fast. He's not a slick talker, but you can tell he's been in government for a very long time too. Um, in some form or fashion. And I, I, 
I just I want it I want to have a deep authentic conversation with him I don't want him to spin his answers or think about his responses so heavily I mean at this point why would you I mean most of the Republican Party is angry with you so at this point just be who you are like just be just be I don't think you have to worry about all the other stuff so I want him to be a little less political um I enjoy the diplomatic approach, being the adult in the room, but the sound, the, the, the political sound that he brings is a little outdated for a lot of the new voters. We're just not that deeply connected to it. So, um, and it almost makes us cringe when, when, when we, it sounds like you're thinking too hard about how to answer a question that you already know the answer to. I think if he can relax that and bring that fire that he brought to the debate stage, that he brought to his debate against Kamala Harris, I think people forget how well he did when he debated Kamala. I think he'll be better. Do I think he will be the nominee? I don't know. I don't know because there was a time, remember in 2016, the 2016 election, during that campaign process, everybody knew it was going to be Jeb Bush. Like, Jeb Bush was the guy. Everyone was supporting it. I mean, it was a big deal. And we slowly watched this guy named Donald Trump come from the back, literally from the back, and, and walk every single candidate down one by one. So there's always hope. There's always a possibility that, that, that this can be the case. So I don't know. I, I, I personally feel like it's always a path. There's always a path. Oh, and let's keep this in mind, too. Let's keep this in mind, too. Okay. So Trump is leading in the polls. But everyone who doesn't want to vote for Trump, so Trump has 37% guarantee, which is wild. (laughs) I don't think I've ever heard of that either. But he has about 37% of voters that's going to vote for him no matter what. He will be sitting behind bars and they're still going to vote for him. Okay, that's a hump to overcome if you are the number two person. But keep this in mind. Everyone else is split amongst all the other people. So as we start seeing people drop out, I knew Suarez dropped out. Um, there's some conversations around Tim Scott's money, not, you know, being a little funny. Apparently he injected, I think, 22 million of his own pack money into his, his race. And he's currently at 21 million spent. So he's a little in the hole, but keeping that in mind, more people may drop out and who those people back and endorse. It matters. It changes things. So, I don't know. There's an opportunity for all. Let's see. All right. I want you to do your own presidential breakdowns or just listen to me. Tune in on Tuesday to listen to this whole replay. If you missed the show, it's going to be on my podcast and you can check go to all to check that out until then. I will see you next time. Thank you so much. This is let's talk about it with Janelle King. I am Janelle King and this is extra one Oh six, three.
What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com.